The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Welcome to the Ask Harry podcast. This is Harry Margolis, and this is the podcast where we interview experts on all aspects of estate planning. In this episode, I spoke with attorney Joe Imbriani of the firm of Taylor, Ganson, and Perrin about the responsibilities and duties of trustees. Okay, next one. Welcome to the Ask Harry podcast. This is Harry Margolis, and this is the podcast series where we speak with experts about all aspects of estate planning. In the last episode, I spoke with attorney Joe Imbriani of Taylor, Ganson, Perrin about the responsibilities and duties of trustees. In this episode, we continue our discussion about how to choose the appropriate trustee for you. Joe, thank you for returning. In our last podcast, you talked about the duties and responsibilities of a trustee. And in this podcast, we want to talk about how to choose the appropriate trustee for each trust. And uh, But wondering if we could start by just reviewing those responsibilities. Well, the responsibilities, are, <clears throat> excuse me, and Harry, let's just try that one again. <coughs> the responsibilities of a trustee in every single situation deal with the legal, what the trustee can do, can't do, should do, shouldn't do, tax, the implications of actions and inactions, investments, understanding and appropriately investing the assets of the trust, and distribution decisions, which is a very broad category. The stakes are pretty high for the trustee because the trustee, and this is whether it's a family member, it's a bank, it's a lawyer, it doesn't matter, the trustee can be held personally liable for mistakes. That's a pretty tough situation. If you're the brother of the creator of a trust and you're held personally liable for doing something you didn't even know you needed to do, mm -hmm. that's why they need to get assistance. The, the key with trustees, and the root of the word trustee is trust. You as the creator of any trust, you have to be confident that the person that you appoint as trustee or the persons you appoint as trustees are going to make the decisions you want them to make when you're not there to make the decisions yourself. So you have to be confident that they're going to do their job, even if it's a tough decision. And this is one of the big issues with family member trustees, as we'll talk about, is saying no to a sibling doesn't make Thanksgiving dinner very good. <laughs> right. <laughs> Definitely not. So so what are the characteristics you're looking for in, in choosing a trustee? Well, again, they all relate to the responsibilities. So if you have a responsibility to deal with legal, tax, investment, and distribution decisions, you either have to bring some of the abilities to deal with those issues to the table, or you need to hire professionals to assist you. But if you're just a family member trustee, you have to be able to understand those issues. And if it's an area that you're unfamiliar with, well, the learning curve is going to be greater and you're going to require even greater assistance of the professionals that you hire, whether it's a lawyer, CPA, investment person, or all three. But the trustee, in meeting his or her responsibilities, has to be responsible enough 
to meet those responsibilities. I realize that that sounds quite redundant, but they have to be willing to do what it takes for the long haul. I think the long haul is probably key since there, you may have a family member who you know is, could, could do this, but do they really have, I suppose, the time to do it? And if they have the time today, will they have the time to do it in a responsible way 10 years from now? Yep, and often the answer is no. Yeah, and that, that, that's always an issue. Though, of course, I suppose if they're responsible, using that word again, they could appoint somebody else at that point, but that doesn't always happen. And it also depends if the trust permits that. Yeah. So what are the issues you see in appointing a, a family member as the trustee, besides that one of being there for the long term? Well, the one of the biggest threshold issues with appointing family member trustees is you are required, if that family member is also a beneficiary, to use what is called the HEMS standard. We talked about that a little bit last time. It's health, education, maintenance, and support as the standard for making distributions from the trust. So if the beneficiary is a trustee, trustee is a beneficiary, you're subject to that pigeonhole standard, which can be quite restrictive in and of itself. Hypothetically, the trust, which started at a million dollars, has now blossomed to $20 million. Good investing. <laughs> Apparently so. And now the trustee says, well, I want to make a distribution for a beneficiary to buy a new home. Well, they're accustomed to living in a half a million dollar home and they want to buy a $3 million home. Well, that's not going to fit into the health education maintenance support standard because it's not maintaining a standard of living that's enhancing a standard of living that would violate the distribution rules of the trust. So the standard of distributions is the first issue that family member trustees have. The second and very much more practical is the purse strings issue. If one sibling is the trustee over another sibling's share, well, one sibling gets to hold the purse strings of the other sibling, and that doesn't make for a very happy Thanksgiving meal. Mm -hmm. So an example you just gave of the, this uh, trust that fortunately, fortunately grew so much in value, the question may be, well, it can afford the $3 million house. Why not just buy it for the beneficiary? And I suppose the answer is there are actually other beneficiaries. Right. And typically there are classes of beneficiaries based on generations. So you have to always evaluate what's in the best interest of not just the present children, but if the grandchildren are also named and great-grandchildren are also named, you have a responsibility to them as much as you have a responsibility to the children. So you've got to consider your current and your future beneficiaries. So, um, so a family member uh, might not be an appropriate uh, trustee in all situations or even most. What are the, what are the options for a professional trustee? Well, the options for disinterested trustees includes professional disinterested trustees, but it also could include a family friend, things, things of that sort, although you have very many of the same issues that you have with a family member who's also a beneficiary. So although they are not a beneficiary, this family friend, for example, they would still probably lack some of the characteristics to be able to fulfill the responsibilities. There are plenty of so-called professional trustees. There are banks. 
that will serve as the professional trustee. There are companies that are established just to serve as professional trustees. And there are individuals, often CPAs or attorneys, that serve. Law firms, of course, serve as well. So there are a lot of different alternatives to professional trustees. And what are the pros and cons of, of, the, of those various alternatives? What they're going to bring to the table, again, goes back to the responsibilities. The responsibilities are legal, tax, investment, and distribution decisions. Does this professional trustee have a legal background? Is it a law firm? Well, no, it's a bank, so probably not so much. Does this professional trustee understand the taxation of trusts? Well, the CPA professional probably does, but a lot of lawyer professionals certainly don't. Does this professional trustee have investment capabilities? Do they have an investment committee? Do they have extensive investment experience? This is particularly a concern if you name an individual. Ask them how many trusts they have under management. Ask them how much is in the trust under management, things of that sort. Distribution decisions. Well, does this professional trustee have somebody that is going to be dedicated to your family, understand your family, be there for your family? Or is this professional trustee going to change trust officers every two years, five mm -hmm. years, six years, so that come 10 years down the line, the beneficiaries don't even know who to call, and when they get the right person, the trust department doesn't know who's calling and mm -hmm. why. So you need somebody who's going to be there for you for you for the long haul that has abilities in the different areas of responsibility. So a lot, a lot of uh, clients I meet with prefer a family member um, to a professional trustee, usually for two main reasons. One is cost, and the other is they feel the professional trustee, especially if it's an institution, is going to be somewhat impersonal, and they prefer the familial and private arrangement. Um, so what do professional trustees cost? Professional trustee fees are typically based on what's in the trust. So similar to an investment advisor who will charge you a percentage of the assets on an annual basis, many professional trustee fee schedules are set up in exactly the same way. But what you pay a professional, you have to compare to what you would pay probably multiple professionals if you only had family member trustees. If you only have family member trustees, they might have to hire me as a lawyer at $475 an hour to represent the trust. They might have to hire me as a CPA to do the tax, the tax work of the trust. They may have to hire me or somebody else to handle the assets, to manage the assets in the trust. They might hire me again as a lawyer to help them make distribution decisions understanding what the trust allows them to do. So if they don't hire a professional trustee, they may end up paying me anyway. Mm -hmm. So, but the professional... Or if they hire um, a different kind of professional trustee, they may still be paying for both. Right. There's, there's often duplication there. So there is a charge for a professional to serve as a trustee, but the alternative is to get charged by professionals. The middle ground really is a family member serving 
with a professional disinterested trustee. And this gets back to your second issue. Your second issue first was fees. Mm -hmm. The second was you wanted to make sure that there's going to be somebody that understands you, your family, your objectives. And I appreciate when I serve with a family member because that person is the, the lifeline of information for me so that I understand what's this beneficiary doing? Well, she's going to school. What's that beneficiary doing? He just graduated. He's working here, so on and so forth. So it's a lifeline of information. Often when I serve, I have drafted the estate planning documents so I understand the grantors, the creators of the trust, and I have spent time with them talking about what they see for these trusts on a midterm basis, on a short-term basis, on a long-term basis. And now when I work with a child, for example, after mom and dad have passed, it works out exceptionally well because, as I mentioned, they serve as the lifeline of information, but it also provides me to educate that child on how to manage the trust assets. You might say to the beneficiary, sure, there's $5 million in the trust, but mom and dad said no Ferrari for you. So. Mm -hmm. But what you can do is you can spend the time with the child and explain to the child, yeah, that's a lot of money in this trust for you and your siblings and your lineal descendants, but let's show you how it can work for you in the long term, how this can be your security blanket for retirement purpose, how this can help you pay your kids' college education and perhaps your grandkids' college education. So I have found in my experience that working with the children is, is fantastic, and I end up becoming quite close with them, which is good because it helps me understand their objectives and helps me understand their family units. And I've, I've often found that uh, people inherit money, or in, some, in my practice they sometimes get money because of a personal injury <laughs> lawsuit, and there's all of a sudden there's a million dollars there, and it looks like a ton of money, but in this day and age with what things cost and if you want it to last a lifetime you actually can't spend that much of it is that that right absolutely the old song if i had a million dollars right the answer to it is it doesn't go that far so you have to spend the time with the client so that they understand that it needs to be invested properly so that it can last and provide them something for a considerable number of years yeah, because often if you start digging into principle, it becomes a downward spiral because it's, it's not only are you reducing the principle, but you're also reducing the future income. Yep, so absolutely. So there's less, less available, and then they spend the same amount the next year, and there's less the year after that. And uh, that's, the, it, that's the toilet bowl treatment. Oh, yeah? It just goes around and around and down every, every revolution. Mm -hmm. So, the, so that, that's, uh, that can, can be pretty tough. Now, what do you do if... Um, I don't know if this is something you write into the trust or how it would work, but uh, another concern of, of clients is what happens if the trustee doesn't work out, whether it's a family member or a disinterested trustee? Well, if you are a professional disinterested trustee, you are not in the business of getting in arguments, fights, disagreements with your beneficiaries. That having been said, you can't allow yourself to be stepped on and allow them to have every distribution they want if it doesn't meet the terms of, of the trust. But there certainly can be disagreements. Some trusts are written so that the trust that the beneficiaries, excuse me, have the right to remove and replace the trustees. And I discuss this with all 
clients, do they want to grant the beneficiaries that right? It sounds fantastic. Well, if the trustee isn't being cooperative, the beneficiaries can throw the trustee out. But you also have to look at the reverse side of that. If the whiny beneficiary isn't getting his or her way, the whiny beneficiary can throw the trustee out and find somebody else who may be more compliant, if you will. Mm -hmm. So it is a huge power to grant to the beneficiaries the right to remove and replace the trustees. However, we do it in some circumstances. The other more practical is if a situation arises, one hopes that the professional trustee is mature enough to step aside. I have had the situation not where I've had difficulties arise, but I've had clients move to other jurisdictions. Mm -hmm. Recently, I had some very successful clients move to the so-called left coast. And I counseled them that they needed to get their estate plan revised because California is a community property state, not a separate property state as we have here in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So they finally did that, and then I offered to step down as trustee over some of their trusts. And that was in the best interest of the client. And that's what the trustees always, they always have to look at the best interest of the client, the beneficiary, not themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we had a uh, case uh, some years ago where I was co-trustee on a special needs trust for a young girl who had a medical, won a medical malpractice case, unfortunately left her partially blind. And she came from a quite dysfunctional family, was living with her grandmother, and then at some point the mother came back and convinced everybody that they should all live together and that they should buy a house. <laughs> and uh, we said, and they wanted the money out of the trust to do it, of exactly. course. And so we said, no, we don't think that's a good idea. Why don't you try living in a rental place together first, see if that works. Um, and, but unfortunately, we had given the grandmother the right to change trustees. So she did, found what, what as you termed it, a compliant trustee. They bought a house at the height of the last market just before the crash. And, of course, it didn't work out, them all living together. and uh, Shocking. It's shocking. And uh, so they uh, came back to us but lost about 30% of the trust as a result of all these transactions. That's why it's a, it's a huge power to grant the beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. There are other more sophisticated techniques that we will often consider, so-called trust protectors. And what is a trust protector? You hear more and more about that. Well, the trust protector is uh, often, say, a sibling of the creator of the trust. And that trust protector, so it's a third party, so it's not a trustee, it's not a beneficiary, that third party trust protector, sibling in my example, has the right to remove the trustee. That can be very helpful because now you are granting that removal right not to one who has a vested interest in it but to somebody else that you know you trust that's why they call it the trust protector mm -hmm. so it protects the trust so it sounds like it, it can be a good mechanism both to keep an eye on the trustee and then allow allow for some uh, changes if they need to happen so so um so uh, I don't know if you have any last words on uh, trustee selection, but I guess I, I would just say that it, uh, based on our earlier discussion, it's a big job. Um, it's really an honor to be named as trustee, but uh, no one should take it on lightly. And Big job, big responsibilities, big liability. And, and I, think, uh, I think the long term, at least in my experience, is, is important because 
your, uh, these trusts can last for decades. And while you may be in a position to serve today, um, or the person you want to appoint may be in a position to serve today, they may not later on. And you're still in that job, even if uh, the relations with the beneficiary get to be, become a little toxic. And uh, uh, you can't just stop responding to phone calls and emails. And, and that's one of the downsides to using family members only, is that the family members, they are interested for the first couple of years, and then they lose interest. Mm-hmm. Or they get in a verbal confrontation, for example, with one of the, the beneficiaries, and they realize that they're serving as trustee is impacting their personal relationship, and they decide that one is more important than the other. Mm-hmm. Whereas the trustee has to meet his or her responsibilities, the trustee is subject to liability for failing to do that. So if somebody serves as trustee that is not a beneficiary, it seems to make it a little more objective as opposed to subjective because they're somewhat removed from the situation. But they have to always look back on their responsibilities and meet that high level of responsibility. So I like uh, what we discussed earlier often of having a family member and a professional as co-trustees and it ensures that all those legal and tax and investment responsibilities will be taken care of by the professional. Um, But I also think in cases where things get difficult, it allows a little bit of good cop, bad cop, and the family member can just uh, say, well, I'd I'd make the distribution, but that uh, good-for-nothing professional trustee won't won't, won't allow it. And and when I am in that situation and I'm the one that says, no, we just can't do this, I said, blame it on me. I'm a lawyer. I'm used to it. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And you're not going to be at that Thanksgiving dinner. Right. Um, Throw me out of the bus. That's that's a-okay. you got to stick to your guns. I mean, it's difficult to say no. And quite honestly, it's rare that I have to say no. But if there's a situation where I have to say no, I have to say no. Because if that's what the grantor would have wanted, that's what I must do. Yep. That, uh, I think, is a pretty good place to end this. Uh, but instead of saying no, why don't you, uh, people should say yes to using professional <laughs> trustee. Thank you very much, Joe. You're welcome. Thank you for the time. We ended this segment saying people should say yes to using a professional trustee. And uh, if uh, they would like to say yes to using you as a professional trustee, how could they reach you, Joe? Well, I would say that they could consider using me, and I will give them other alternatives to use as well. But if I am one of the candidates, my law firm is Taylor, Ganson, and Perrin at 160 Federal Street in Boston. I've been there for 25 years. I think I'm nearly a permanent fixture. And we can be reached there at 617-951-2777. And you should ask to speak directly with me. And what's the URL of your website for the firm? TaylorGanson.com. Thank you very much, Joe. Thank you, Harry. Thank you for listening to the Ask Harry podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends and colleagues. If you have questions about estate planning, you can find answers at askharry.info. And if you don't find your answer there, you can post a question and I will respond to it. You can also subscribe and listen to future episodes on iTunes.